The MyMac Time Pilots take you back to 1986 in the introduction of the Mac Plus. MyMac Podcast 272. You're listening to the MyMac Podcast with your hosts, David Cohen and Guy Searle. And welcome to MyMac Podcast 272. Uh, my name is David Cohen, and I'm one of your hosts this week, and I'm joined, as always, by the irrepressible Guy Sill. Hello, Guy. Yes, irrepressible. That's a good word for me. <laughs> it certainly is. So, Especially how often I interrupt people, like just then. <laughs> so how is your, um, how is your slightly popsicle-facing visage today? Oh my God! This has been really the the week from hell. This 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 storm, which I guess uh, you you just caught the tail end of. Yep, yep. We've had some bad weather here, but I don't think it. Uh, we had more like two to three inches rather than two to three feet. Yeah. So. Well, this this started on Friday night. Uh, I can't think of what the date is off the top of my head. It's like what the eighteenth or the nineteenth, something like yeah. that. And uh, Probably around 10 o'clock, we started seeing the first flakes, and it was very pretty. You know, I mean, we don't get a lot of snow around here, so when it does happen, you're looking outside going, ooh, ah, isn't that pretty? And then we get up the next morning, and it's like, oh, my God, it's the apocalypse. Because there's, <laughs> there, was already, there was already almost like probably 8 to 10 inches, which is like more than we've probably gotten in the last two years that was already on the ground, and it was still coming down. And it came down and it came down. And I, I work, you know, the, the company and department that I work for, I, I run a help desk, 24 hours, seven day a week help desk. Started getting calls from all the people that work for me going, I can't get out of my driveway. So Sunday, I was going to, to try to come in for just a little bit. It got up at like five o'clock in the morning. Yep. But managed to back my car out of the driveway and then got stuck. And I, I couldn't even get back into my driveway. Oh, my God. So, oh, I was in my car using all kinds of words that will certainly, you know, put me on some of the lower levels of hell when I die. <laughs> and, it, oh, it was, it was just, it was a nightmare. Well, hang on find, how, yeah. how, how come if they can't get in, they can't get out of their driveway, they think that you can? Well, f- a lot of the people that, that work at the same place I do, they live in Maryland. Right. And so, you know, or they live down in, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Now, these are all areas... That are you know it's it, it's outside of the Beltway proper and um, you know I mean it, it's all paved roads but if if even the plows can't get in yeah to to this I mean they were mostly concentrating on you know the major thoroughfares yeah. and p- part of the problem is here in Virginia and Maryland for that matter with the economy the way it is that you know they've looked for ways to to cut back on costs as best they can. So one of the first things they did, well, we hardly ever get any snow, so let's not keep a whole lot of snow equipment around. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the local uh, authorities here in the UK have, done, have just been on the news tonight saying they've done exactly the same thing. They're saying they, we hardly ever get bad snow, so we don't keep the salt, we don't stockpile salt and, and road grit like we used to. Right. So you end up with, with just a, a friggin' nightmare. And I used to have a four-wheel drive vehicle, which I, I didn't really want it when I had it, but... You know, it was one of those things. It was I had to get it, and the the vehicle that I have now, my Ford Flex, is only front wheel drive. Yeah, and it's it's okay in the snow, but it's not four wheel drive. Yeah. So when when it starts getting deep, you know, you can get into trouble. I did manage to go out, and I got stuck like four times. You know, managed to like back and forth my way out of it. But by the time I, I was finally on the home stretch to get home, it was like I am not going back out in this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not it's not worthwhile unless you've got something with a with a kind of a high axle and four wheel drive. You're, sure, you're going to get stuck in the drifts anyway. We've only we've probably had at, at most sort of four five inches, maybe six inches in places um, in the cities. But you know, all it needs is more than about three inches here, and and things start to slow down and grind to a halt. It's been kind of crazy in the last few days. I know, yeah. I know a, a guy who I follow on Twitter who was over in Liverpool from Switzerland for a, a tweet-up. There's a whole load of Mac guys. Don McAllister was there and a few guys who listened to the show. Um, Gaz Maz, who was on a few weeks ago as a, as a listener, was there. Um, 
and um Paul Shadwell, who is a uh, a listener of ours, was over from from Switzerland, and he owned he left Liverpool on Sunday. He only got back to Zurich this afternoon. Oh my God! <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> Sunday, Sunday he went from uh, Liverpool to Manchester Airport and had his plane cancelled. Spent the night sleeping in the airport terminal. Oh, had that could be a ca- Yeah, had his plane cancelled Monday morning. Um, then got a uh, plane. Uh, got a. Uh, ticket from london city airport so took the train down to london got to london city airport and within half an hour before his plane was due to leave the snow came in and they cancelled his flight oh my god i managed managed to find him a hotel overnight in in london because uh, i was following him on twitter and uh, <laughs> and then he, he he got out from uh, from heathrow this afternoon so Man, it's, well i think that the the absolute worst snowstorm i ever had to deal with wasn't even here in the states um I'd gone to Athens in 1986, and it was the November, December, and it started. It started snowing. Now the, the streets in Athens, you know, you you want to talk about an area that that has almost no snow removal equipment. Athens, Greece, is probably like one of the worst for it. Yeah. And it started to snow. It closed the airport for three days. Yeah. And it was. I mean, it was the worst storm they'd had in over 50 years. And we were. I was trying to get from Athens to Istanbul. And when we finally got into Istanbul, we're at our hotel. We're we're kind of sludging back and forth to where the old consulate used to be. And Istanbul, being a city that's I don't even know how many thousands of years old it is. It's like what twenty five. It's it's like twenty five hundred, three thousand years old. It's ancient, yeah. Yeah. So lots of narrow streets, almost you know, very little in the way of drainage. So everything that was draining was basically just like turning into sludge and, and slowly working its way down to the, the, the Bosphorus. Yeah. And we were walking in knee deep black sludge Ew. from cars running over it. It was so bad that, that we gave up even trying to do any work. And we ended up going on to uh, Ankara, finishing up what we had to do there and then going back to Istanbul afterwards. But it was the worst experience of my lifetime dealing with cold weather and snow absolutely well we're certainly not geared up for it over here but it's funny that you say yep. that was 1986 because that is where we're going this week that's right welcome to the snowcast <laughs> absolutely um so 1986 we're going to talk about um uh, the newest apple computer release at the beginning of 1986 yep so what was that it well it, it was the mac plus released on january 16th now was it that was, the, was that debuted ahead. was that debuted at Macworld? Uh I actually you know what I don't know. I believe it was but it was it was like about $2600 and right. it was the longest available Mac ever. It wasn't discontinued until October 15th, 1990. Okay. So so yes, yeah, so that's a pretty long run. Yeah, four so and a half years. Let's just frame this in kind of the 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 genealogy of Mac. So we had the original Mac which was the uh, single beige box with a screen in, and then yeah, the Mac Plus. Just, was... Well, the the original Mac sometimes referred to as as the Mac one twenty eight k. So it had, yeah, it had one hundred and twenty eight k of of RAM. Right. Okay. So this was the next machine they did after that, effectively. No, no. Actually, no? there were there was another. There was two more machines after that. There was the five twelve. Right. And the and my and Larry, my brother Larry is going to kill me if I get this wrong. I think it was the five twelve ke. The e stood for enhanced. <sighs> and the nice thing about the five twelve was that you could actually, if if you, you know, spent a lot of money, oh, probably almost as much as the plus cost, you could outfit it the same as a Mac Plus. I believe right. it had. I believe it had the same. I, I think all three or all four of these models. Now we're talking about the Mac one twenty eight. The Mac 512, 512K, the 512KE, and the Mac Plus all use the Motorola 68,000. Uh, they say 8 megahertz. It was actually 7.8 megahertz. Right. Which, for the time, was fairly standard. I mean, I had an Amiga at the time that, that ran at the same chip at virtually the same speed. Right. So there was plenty of systems, and, and the PC of this era was only 4.77 megahertz. So this was kind of... Yeah, I of... think that was an 8086 they were running. Yeah, in that's right. Yeah. Now, there was, there was one other machine that was using the Motorola chip, and that was the Atari ST. That's right, yeah. Okay. So uh, what was different about the Mac Plus over the previous models? 
Uh, there were there were two very big differences between the Mac Plus and the other and the other basically two models. Uh, number one, the Mac Plus was the first machine to use the 3.5 inch 800K double side floppy drive. Now the the previous ones also used now you know Apple other than the the Apple II line didn't use the five and a quarter inch literally floppy drives yeah. that pretty much everybody else was using at the time. Uh, the the Lisa and the original Mac and all the way up through as long as they had uh, you know floppy drives used these three and a half inch hard plastic covered. Yeah. Discs. Which I remember very well. Yes. And yeah, we you used to have to play the disc shuffle because you know the, the earlier models didn't have internal storage. So when you turn the computer on, you literally had your system discs in front of you and yeah. as as it went on. Now when I bought mine, which was in eighty seven, I believe it was running system six oh one or six oh four, something along those lines. But I, I think it came on two completely separate disks. So you'd, you'd turn the machine on and you'd have to wait until you get like this little folder icon with a question mark in it. Then you put in your floppy. It starts to load the OS, you know, pushes it back out when it's done with that. And then you put the second one in and then within a relatively, you know, for the time, short amount of time, you'd be up and ready to go. The, the, the OS and, and the original finder and all the rest of those things would be running. Now I remember with machines of this era, you could end in, in this kind of this this death mode where effectively the machine was wanting bits of information off two disks at once. If you if you were saving a file and it was a badly written program or you're short of memory, you would uh, you would hit the save and it would say, okay, give me the floppy disk where you're going to save the file to, and you'll put that in, and then it would say, okay, give me the program disk. Yeah, and you'd do that back and forth fifteen twenty times before your data file was saved. Um, well, it, part of the problem with that was that the earlier models, and, and this was true on both the Mac and the PC side, they didn't have a lot of, of memory. Yeah. So as the OSs became more complicated, you know, and, and again, we're talking about a time when there, there wasn't internal storage. Everything was either on these five and a quarter or three and a half uh, inch floppy drives. So you could get if, you could get hard drives back then, but they cost the absolute earth, didn't they? Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so you know, if depending on how the program was written and how much RAM you had available in your machine, there could be some bit of code that it needed in order to to do whatever the next function is that you're asking it to do. So and because it'll it'll flush out the stuff that it's not using right at this moment. And then when you come up and say, okay, well, I want to save this file. It's like, well, I don't have the, the command to save a file here resonant in memory, so you got to put the system disk back in. Yeah. So then you put the system disk back in. Then your dialog box would come up and yeah. ask you, okay, what are you going to name this program? So you, you tell it that. Then you hit okay. And, and you know, hopefully, because you know, all of these disks, and again, this, this is going way back, all of these disks had a, like a little notch or – or a little, you know, just something on it that would make it so that they were read only. Yeah. And if if you were stupid enough to like when you're bored and flip those things back and forth, if you had that on the wrong mode, you could actually end up recording over your program file, which essentially turns your your floppy disk into a uh, coffee <laughs> coffee holder. Yeah, now I, certainly on on systems I was using at the time, like the Amiga, which had a, a manual floppy eject button, you could kill a disc by ejecting it at the wrong time if you got impatient. Now, yes. the, the Mac Plus, it didn't have a button, so it was all ejected by the system, wasn't it? Yes, so you couldn't you couldn't do that. You yeah. couldn't make that mistake. You know, if it needed more information from another disc, it would pop out because it only had the single you know yeah. the single floppy disk. Yeah. It would it would pop that out. Okay, so and then pop yeah. in disk that you needed. So this was this was the first machine to have one megabyte of RAM. Standard, yes. It was standard, and it also had SCSI. It was the first Mac to have SCSI. So, um, but it still had it was still the same form factor as the original Mac in terms of the nine inch black and white display. Yes, um, and the kind of the keyboard that pulled out the front, and it was the old style of keyboard that was missing the command keys and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't so much that it was missing it. 
it was just that Apple Apple hadn't invented it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apple Apple didn't include it on their yeah. keyboards because at the time and, and again, remember this is this is early Steve Jobs, but it's like, you know, meet the old boss same or meet the new boss, same as the old boss. He still didn't like buttons. So yeah. if he couldn't think of a reason to have a particular button or key on a keyboard, yeah. it just didn't make it on it, baby. So this was the, still the, I mean, the, the original genesis of the, genesis of the single button mouse. Yes. And all of that. Okay. So, so what was what was the machine like? I've I've never used a Mac of that vintage. So, what was it like to use? Because I I remember the, I mean, the PCs of the time were very primitive. They were running DOS and running DOS mode applications like Lotus One Two Three, Word Perfect, right. that sort of thing. This was before kind of Windows. Uh, was was really kind of developed because it was only when when Windows three came along that Windows became that it was yeah that yeah. was pretty much usable exactly <laughs> and, Windows and three was like the first usable version exactly and Windows three was was kind of eighty seven eighty eight so um, what was it like to use a Mac back then I mean was it co- compared to nowadays was it was it something you would recognize or was it was it really primitive and different uh, no I think if if you looked at the screen and you know you can Google images of of what the various versions of of the mac os looked like throughout its lifetime but all the all the main elements were there you had the little apple logo in the upper left hand corner you had you know file and edit and you know i mean all all the typical stuff that you see today single menu bar going across the top didn't have a dock though uh i think starting with system six there were various third-party utilities that you could use Kind of, and they weren't so much a dock as as what we know it today. They were it was more like a permanent, uh, like launcher program. Yeah, somewhat I guess somewhat similar in in functionality, but but uh, not really. Uh, but all, all the basic pieces that you see today were there. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at a screenshot here, and it. It, it certainly is recognizable. Certainly, if you've used the older site, kind of OS nine, OS eight, it's um, oh yeah, you can kind of see the genesis of it there. And and what amazes me actually is is how how high resolution it looks compared to uh, the other computers of the day. I mean, my uh, as I say, that Amiga I used to use had a had a GUI, but it was it was pretty chunky compared to what was running here on the Mac. Well, I think I think part of that was i mean there was there was so much going on at the time if you looked at like you, you could go to wikipedia and look up the uh the genesis of of the amiga os or you know the the os that atari had for their st line and there was there was rapid improvement from the time that they were first released until you know well until their companies pretty much ran out of money um there was just so much going on you know if you look at just the the Mac Plus, for example, came out with when it first came out. It had uh, the Mac OS version three. By the time it was discontinued in uh, what nineteen nineteen ninety, it was still you. It was running system up to system six point oh eight. Now I, I see something here. It says it could run also system seven and system seven point five, but I can't imagine that that would be a very happy experience. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so within uh, four four years, there were at least three different versions of actually four different versions because the Mac Plus uh, was the first Mac to use system three. So they were you had versions uh, three, four, five and six. Yeah. And four different operating systems in a four and a half year time span. Hmm. Yeah, so it was uh, it was definitely kind of heavily upgraded through through that lifetime. What amazed me when you when you kind of sent me the list of specifications and everything is how many programs that that you could run on that that are still around today. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, all the all the names we kind of know and love were, were written were written to run on, on the Mac Plus. You know, Photoshop was there, PageMaker was there, um, the FileMaker was there, FileMaker was there, BB Edit. Well, Remember that that Microsoft was uh, contracted by Apple to create a word processor and to create a spreadsheet program. So that's when you know Word and Excel originally came out on the Macintosh. Yeah, it, it wasn't on Windows because it just wasn't there. So you had Microsoft, and as a matter of fact, that kind of led 
to the, you know the much and we won't go into uh, into a whole lot of detail, but that that kind of led to the lawsuit later on because of the way that the contract had been worded with with Microsoft. There was some technology sharing there that Microsoft felt allowed them to take certain elements of the Macintosh operating system and apply it into Windows. And eventually, the courts agreed with them. Yeah. Now you can you can say you know we're all Mac fans here. You can say whatever you want about Microsoft, but it wasn't Microsoft stealing from Apple. It was Apple giving the store away. Right. Okay. They screwed up in the way that they wrote those contracts. So, so maybe that's why Apple legal nowadays is such the force that it, to be reckoned with that it has become because they learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, well, that's usually the way those kinds of lessons were, were are learned. Now, yeah. one other program that came out while the Plus was around was HyperCard. Yeah. And HyperCard is kind of a difficult program to describe because everything was written with, you know, like pieces of paper that you would look at one after the other. I think they called them stacks. Yeah. Um, there were things, there were other programs that were like MacDraw, MacWrite, um, you had Super Paint, which was probably for the, the, the nine inch monochrome Max. And, you know, people can disagree with me if they want, the, but the best overall drawing paint program that was ever available for the, for the, the all in one nine inch monochrome Max. Just beautiful software. Gift Converter, for God's sake, was, <laughs> was, came out around this same time yeah. and Lemke software is still making it still making it yeah Stafford Deluxe who were um, sponsored one the of podcast. our sponsors absolutely sponsored the podcast a couple of weeks ago um, where were uh, had their genesis on in the um, in this version of the Mac OS and, and these this generation of hardware I, yeah. it amazes me really now I mean I had a quick look around on eBay you can pick these machines up um, for not very much money you know, it probably 50, costs more to ship it than it does yeah. to actually buy the machine itself. Fifty to seventy-five dollars looks like the going rate for a decent one in decent condition with a one megabyte of RAM. Um, yeah. Now they, they can be upgraded to four megabytes, but you have to kind of take it apart and snip some resistors to do that, don't you? Yeah, but it, it wasn't it wasn't that hard to do. I did have mine upgraded to, to four megabytes. Uh, but what what kind of also set the this particular Mac, the Mac Plus, apart from the ones that came up that came later? Was that, and, and actually, I should I should probably preface this by saying when it first came out, it didn't have it, but the one I had did. It had the the old Apple desktop bus port, which is what you would you know connect your printer or scanner or you know third party devices. It was kind of for for the Mac. It was kind of the USB of the day. Yeah, and and you can see the legacy of it in the way that firewire has been designed and the fact that everything daisy chains together and um it actually runs a networking protocol over the cable so that everything kind of gets figured out and sorted out just by connecting it through yeah cuz you typically typically these machines had like maybe one or two of these so you would end up you'd have this this weird kind of like forked connector and it had adb in so you'd plug that into the back of the machine and then you'd have these two ADB ports coming out. Now, in theory, you could connect up a bunch of these together to get more ports. Yeah. But you really had to be careful because it, it would just do some, some terrible things to your machine. <laughs> right. So typically, I never had more than like two devices connected. And you didn't really need that much. Number one, there wasn't that much stuff available. You had a – there was like a telephone port connector on the front of it that you would plug the keyboard in and the mouse had its own port and then you had like a combination printer, scanner, ADB port that you would plug everything else into. Right. And yeah. then, of course, you know, the, the SCSI port. So now, SCSI was the way to get a hard disk and easy, easily access a hard drive? Yes, yes. Now, when I bought my machine, I bought mine, you know, there were no Apple stores at the time. There was no, um, you know, www.apple.com that you could order from. So there was no so internet back then. <laughs> there, was, there was no internet. Well, yeah. it was this right around the time that AOL was, was kind of starting off, though it had a different name. Yeah. But you, you would go to, to third-party dealers who were authorized Apple resellers. And the store that I bought mine from, of course, has you know, long been out of business. 
but I, I bought the machine in 87. I believe it cost me about $1,300. This is about a year after it was originally released. Then I bought a Sokoshu, uh, I think it was a KP1000 9-pin dot matrix printer. Oh, I remember the noise those things made. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, yeah. it, and it would just take so long yeah. too. And it was it was the ribbon style, the long right. ribbon that would you know you had some some of these actually had like a little cartridge. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. This had like this long ribbon that would stretch all the way across the, the paper. And the, and the pins made that that dreadful yeah. kind of ripping noise. Yeah. Did yours? Did that have the near letter quality mode where it would actually? Oh, of- it would do it twice. Yes, yeah. it had. And I always dreaded when oh. it was like. Oh, it was such a decision to make. It was like, do I go near letter quality and like leave the room for the next half hour yeah. while this stupid? Well, thing- of course, of course. You know, if you wanted to print something on. Uh, on uh, non-fan-fed paper, if you wanted to print it like on, on cut-sheet paper, you had to feed each piece of paper in because they didn't have document feeders. So, Well, uh, what I, I had... I, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I printed my uh, university thesis on, on one of those printers. Um, off, that must have taken forever. Oh, yeah, it did. It took about three, three and a half hours, something like that, to print oh, a, yeah. uh, an 80 or 100-page thesis. It was, it was painful. Well, what I had was I had this box of paper that was it was fan fed and it had like two two on on either side of it it had these little holes that would feed up That's through the right. machine. Yeah, track to feed. Track feed, right. Yeah. And you had to be careful when you first like usually you would lose one or two sheets when you'd start to to actually print something because you you'd start to print and you'd have to kind of see well am I right at the top of the page ah damn it no I missed it by one so then you yeah. you crank it and you start over again and and then you hope that the next time it works out okay yeah but getting back to the SCSI yeah so I I've bought the machine mm-hmm. I, I have this Mac Plus it cost me you know twelve thirteen hundred dollars. I buy this this nine pin painfully loud Sakoshu printer that was another I think another three hundred dollars, and then the guy talked me into he says oh you know what this machine has it's different from every other Mac and you know other than my my brother in law's Lisa I had never seen any other Macs, he said this has got a SCSI port and he said it with his, with a little twinkle in his eye like I'm supposed to know whatever the hell that's that means, yeah. and he says well no no you don't understand you can connect this other box right here into the back of it and have all of this storage. Otherwise you have to do everything on the, on these 800, you know, 800 K floppies. And I was, I was working overseas at the time and making a pretty good salary. So my first question of course was, well, how much does that cost? Yeah. He says, well, we've got this really big one here. It's, it's $700. And I was already in, it was like in for a penny in for a pound. That's right. So I was like, okay, and how much storage did that give me? Does that give me? He said 40 megabytes. And I started to think about it. It was like, four, I'll never fill 40 megabytes. <laughs> yeah. how, could, how could I ever fill that much storage? Yeah. But I figured, okay, well, this will future-proof the machine. So I bought the, the, the 40 megabyte drive as well. You know, got it all yeah. home, plugged it all in. And, oh, I, I felt, and I, that's all I've used ever since as far as my home computers go. <laughs> Yes. But of course, I filled that that forty meg drive in in less than a year. Yeah, but now would the Mac boost off that? Yes, it would. Okay, so but so, so, but you, they, I, I you have to remember this is twenty three years ago for me. I'm trying to. I think there was a trick in order to install the OS onto the hard drive, and I can't I can't remember that. I I may be like completely off base there. But I don't think it was just a simple question of plugging it in and saying, okay, install it here. No, I wouldn't imagine it was. <laughs> Back then, everything was a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Um, okay, but that, I mean, for, for in 1907, comparatively not a huge amount of money. Yeah, it was about like $23 to $2,500. That's, that's a, a fairly, fairly powerful and advanced system compared to uh, PCs of the time. I mean, I had yeah. a I had a PC around about the same time. It was a it was a, a kind of a fifteen pound laptop with a oh one of those old compacts. It was something like it was an Epson, but it was the same sort of thing. Uh, okay. and, th- and that had two floppy drives on it, so that you could boot off the OS on one and then have data on the other. Uh, Ooh, to try and cut two down on the floppy, floppy drives! Yeah, absolutely. 
So, um, <laughs> you know, but but yeah, I could only dream of having a machine with a hard drive in it. Uh, certainly couldn't oh. afford it, so uh, so that was pretty good. And there was some. Um, there was. I was amazed that SimCity was was available on the uh, Mac at that time. Yeah, uh, I believe it first came out. Now, by, by the time SimCity came out for the Plus, now we're kind of moving beyond 86 and 87. Yeah. Uh, it had already been out on the PC, you know, yeah. shocker. Um, SimCity Classic. I, I, I don't know what year that came out, but it was, it was in, you know, in, in the late 90s. And I would spend hours sitting in front of my computer Playing SimCity Classic. I have so much fun. Now, here's another one for longtime Mac users. Crystal Quest, which was, it was basically, you had this, this, this little thing that you would control with your mouse. And you had all of these, these like crystals that was, you know, on your screen. And you had to move around and collect the crystals. And there would be all kinds of things trying to kill you and, and all, you know, mines and all kinds of stuff it was oh that was so much fun wow yeah i've n- never played it but one thing i know that uh, a lot of people do with the uh, the mac plus rather than buying the physical hardware it's you know it's as you say they're expensive to ship because they're quite heavy um, yes even though they're they're um they're you know they're fairly cheap to buy uh, and obviously you're, you're talking about a little bit of bulk and they're awkward to use in real life because of the connectivity problems you were so used to hooking things up to uh, an, an Ethernet connection or sticking a USB drive in to move things back and forth. Of course, you can't do it with these systems. I know a lot of people use them as uh, in, in an emulation, uh, and uh, apparently it's fairly easy to emulate the Mac Plus nowadays. Yeah, so. I think there's actually a, there's a website somewhere that through a, you know, using HTML simulates the experience of a Mac Plus online. Wow. It, you know, even down to... You know, you click on the Apple menu and you can you can mess around with the old um, oh god, what did they call those disk? No, not disk utilities. Oh, they were like these little mini programs. It was like widgets before there were widgets, and there was there was a reason the, why they, the extensions was that. Yes, yes, yeah. you had extensions and you extensions, had yeah. desk and desk accessories. Right, that's what I was thinking of desk okay. accessories. Okay, well, well, we'll find the um, we'll find the link to that and, and stick that in the show notes uh, for this episode. So, if anybody wants to go and get that Mac Plus experience, either as you know, in in my case, it would be to experience it new because you never saw it before, and in Guy's case, <laughs> to, to get a bit of nostalgia going, then then that's a good way of doing it. We're going to take a break for our uh, a word from our sponsor and former co-host uh, Tim Robertson. And where we'll, are you, Tim? We'll be back shortly. A celebration to last throughout the years. So bring your good times and your laughter too. Hey everyone, Tim Robertson for OWC Radio, the podcast of Otherworld Computing, which should be launching this week or maybe next week. Uh, one of the problems is iTunes. I don't know if everyone on the iTunes team is taking the time off for Christmas. So I'm going to be recording the very first OWC radio and the second and the third over the next coming weeks and submitting them to iTunes. And hopefully by the time you listen to this, they will be live in the iTunes podcast directory. Something else I just sent up to the iTunes podcast directory, it's called OWC TV install video. Now we're going to have an OWC TV podcast as well. It's going to be kind of screen sharing. You're going to learn how to use your computer, different applications, Really, really groovy. But one of the things that OWC already has and is freely available for anyone out there are these install videos. What is an install video? In this case, the very first one that I submitted to the iTunes store, not live yet, at least not as I record this. Hopefully it will be live soon. You can subscribe to these and get them delivered right to your computer through iTunes. And you can watch them on your iPod, your iPhone, and your computer. But the first one that I submitted is an install video to install memory, RAM, into an early and late 2009 Mac Mini. Sounds pretty simple. Yeah, not for everybody. You know, some people have a real problem cracking open that computer, messing around with stuff inside, even if it's something simple. Uh, people have an aversion to that. You know, oh, it, it's one thing if you're messing with someone else's computer. You know, it's real easy to go over to their house and give them a hand. 
when it comes to cracking open your own computer, you know, you always have that fear. You know what? If I mess something up, this is my computer. What am I going to do? I don't want to mess up my computer. So with the install videos, it's literally from step one to 10 or however many steps from A to Z. How do you do this install? We show opening up the machine, um, all the different steps between after you open it. Do you have to move a, a, a motherboard? Do you have to move a hard drive? What do you have to do in this case to install memory in a 2009 Mac Mini, an early and a late model 2009 Mac Mini? More RAM in your computer is going to make it go faster, more robust. You're going to be much happier with it. And you know what? It's going to be a lot cheaper for you to install that RAM yourself. You take it to an Apple specialist or the Apple store to install memory, it's going to cost you some bucks. Save those bucks. Do it yourself. Download the install videos. Watch along. You can always pause it. Do your work. Go back to the video. Watch how the installer did it. And then just mimic it. Do it on your machine. And in no time at all, you'll have brand new RAM in your Mac Mini. You'll be a happy camper. Your machine will be faster. You will be happier. It's a win-win. And you know what? I did submit this as a podcast, OWC TV install video to iTunes. You could subscribe to this. And you're just going to get a whole ton of video over time on how to do different upgrades to your Macintosh. And, yeah, maybe you don't have a MacBook, and so you don't need those install videos. You don't have to download those. Or you can delete them if it automatically downloads it. But the nice thing is you will just have this nice repository on your hard drive in iTunes. You don't have to go search for it on YouTube or the Internet or anything like that. It'll be right there in iTunes for you, ready to go. So check it out on iTunes when it becomes live. In the meantime, make sure you check out MacSales.com and keep your eyes and ears pale, peeled paled. What the heck is paled? Did I say that? I did say that. I'm not going back and starting over, leaving it in. Sorry, David and, and Guy, you, you get my flub there, right? Nothing new there, right? For longtime listeners, I always flub it. Public education. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So OWC Radio launching real soon. Uh, hope you check it out. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and see you soon. And so we're back. Thanks very much for that message, Tim. So, uh, Guy, we were going to talk about other things that happened to Apple in 1986. Obviously, the Mac Plus was a big release at the beginning of the year, um, but there was it was quite a busy year for Apple. Yeah, um, Steve Jobs had been unceremoniously booted from the company the year before by the, the board of directors, and um, after he started a, a little a little company called Next. Yeah, he, he went out and he hired a bunch of uh, former and actually some of them still working at the time, Apple employees. And Apple actually took him to court over it. They, they sued him to, to, to try to get him to stop hiring Apple employees away, which he, he basically agreed to do for six months. Yeah, <laughs> which well, it's like, oh, OK. That's not, and yeah. then and then in in, in a, a fit of temper is the only thing I could think of. He then sells all. 6.5, except for one share, yeah. he sells all 6.5 million shares of Apple stock, which turned out to be not the smartest move he could have made because the, the stock price jumped. You know, it was like at $22 a share in January, and it closed at 41 So he lost quite a bit of money doing that. Well, he did. But he kind of made it back in 2006 because what he did with the money, he, part, some of the money he got from that sale, was he uh, invested in a small outfit called Pixar. I've heard of them. <laughs> yes. They're, they're, they're big in computing and graphics or something like that. There's something like that. Yeah. Well, he actually got that almost as almost like a fire sale. Absolutely. Because George Lucas, who had started that company, was in the process. As, now, this is, as I understand it, was in the process of a divorce and needed some quick cash. Yeah. And and Pixar hadn't really made any money for him. It was kind of a drain. And he didn't I don't think he really thought that it was going to go anywhere. Now he didn't really need it because he already he had, you know, he had his studio out at uh what was it in Colorado? 
where LucasArts was. Yeah, the Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, Skywalker Ranch. So he didn't really need it. Yeah. So he sold it pretty much kit and caboodle to Steve Jobs for, I think, a... It was five million. Yeah. He gave George Lucas five million, and then he invested a further five million into the company. So um, that's what he did with his Apple money. Um, now, bearing in mind that, that Disney paid him $7.6 billion for... Uh, and Yeah, and gave him 40% of Disney. Of Disney. Yeah, I would so say that's that, $5 billion. Was, that was, I think that was a pretty good investment. That was a fairly good investment. Certainly, if you, are gonna, if you aren't going to um, sell, your, sell your Apple stock in a fit of peak, <laughs> uh, and of course nowadays he's back at Apple and he still has access to large amounts of Apple stock because he gets and paid large his, amounts of money well yeah he, get, he gets paid his dollar a year salary doesn't he and then he takes everything else as, as stock and, and, and his personal jet so um, he's done <laughs> he's done fairly well out of it in the in the long term and they always say that uh, that playing the stock market and all these investments are, is a long term game obviously he's a guy who knows what he's doing yeah oh yeah no doubt Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and I'm sure that Apple is uh, still smarting over those lost employees. <laughs> well, he probably because because I think um, now he ended up being pretty much the sole owner of Next because most of the the initial people that invested in the company had dropped out by the time yeah. that uh, it was you know getting ready to be sold or the Apple was getting ready to buy it. And I, I think uh, I, I, we may have gone over this before. It almost ended up being a reverse takeover of Apple because yeah. all the people that were in positions of power at Next ended up replacing you know their co- their cohorts at Apple. And and funnily enough, that's exactly what happened when Pixar uh, was acquired by Disney. Is that all yeah. the all the people who were running Pixar Animation just moved straight over and and took over the Disney Animation Studios and. Uh, the, They've done very well as well. The improved quality of their output has, uh, has definitely uh, shown that was a good move as well. So, uh, okay, so that was all the business stuff in 1986, and Steve was obviously well on his game. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Apple II GS was also released in 1986. Yes, the Apple II GS, which before it ended its run, had a GUI of its own. And I think... Uh, as I recall, the, the, the operating system for the Apple II that had the GUI was called the Geos. Right. Yes, I, I think I vaguely remember that, though I, I wasn't aware it was associated with the Apple II. Yeah, and if you look, if you look at, at the Geos that was running on the Apple II and the kinds of operating system that was both on the Amiga and the Atari ST, I would say that the th- – and plus also remember that, that all three of these machines that we're talking about were color – which the Mac at that time was not. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's interesting, actually, looking at the case of the 2GS, it, it actually looks very much like a Mac. Yeah, it kind of it has that pizza box shape to it. Yeah. Um, that the later, like the LC had later on. Yeah, absolutely. But it was, uh, it was not to be. Um, it did not... Um, it, 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 it was like the second to last Apple II before the, uh, the line was closed down, wasn't it? Yeah, I think there was the Apple Two C Plus yeah. came out as well, but you know, they had taken the Apple Two about as far as they were going to, and the Mac by that time, and we're talking you know nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two, there were there were already plenty of of color Macs or you know, Macintosh computers that were able to output in color on both printed media and on you know on on a display. So it, it no longer really seemed to be necessary to keep the Apple II around. That was that was their kind of like their education model. That's right. They, yeah. yeah, and they made more money on the Macs. Yeah, it's, I mean it's interesting. That obviously, the Apple II was kind of a masterpiece of design. You know, when Steve was first designed it, uh, Steve was sure. first designed it. It really was, uh, you know, an engineering masterpiece. And it had a hell of a run. Yeah, We're had, talking had a very 19, long run, yeah. 77 or 78 when the first Apple IIs came out yeah. until 1992. So, Not bad. And considering that, that you know, other than some, some minor stuff, there, there wasn't really a whole lot of differences in the, uh, in the hardware. Absolutely. So, uh, so very interesting. So you're right, it did have, did have a good run, but I'm, I'm sure there were plenty of Apple II owners back in the day who were sad to see the oh, Mac, yeah. Mac take it over. Well, just think think about what happened in the transition between uh, Mac OS System Nine and OS X. 
Yeah. I mean, you had people at, like I. I went to some of the uh, the early two thousand uh, MacWorld expos in New York, and there were people walking around with T shirts that said, you know, Apple II forever, and you know, and, and you know, OS nine lives, and you know, all these yeah. like God. You know what? Sooner or later, man, you just got to kind of let it go. Yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, obviously OS ten was a very big, a very big change, and let's face it, the early. The earliest versions weren't particularly fantastic compared to what. Oh, they were, they were terrible. I didn't, I didn't. You know, my first version of OS X was, um, I think, ten point two. Yeah, I wouldn't touch it before then. No, and and set, I mean, my the first version I came across was ten point three Panther, and I think by that point it was starting to get fairly mature because um, I certainly didn't have any real difficulties with it. But I, I remember being very confused by uh, classic mode and the kind of this OS nine. Yeah, a pseudo pseudo access method. And every now and again, you get hold of a program that will kind of fire it up, and it was all very confusing, really. Yeah, and and those kind of, those programs would would take like forever to load because you know not only did the program have to load, but it, it actually had to start up a whole other OS exactly. from yeah. within OS X yeah. just to run the darn thing. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, so we've got here that Apple gave Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry the first Mac Plus. So what was that, the deal with that? That is the rumor. Now, uh, at the time, he was busy creating um, the next generation. Yeah, Star Trek: The Next Generation H- hadn't quite come out when the Apple, because I think that was 1987, and the the original Apple Plus came out in 1986. And I believe they they basically just took one of the one of the first ones off the line. You know, a bunch of people autographed it and, and presented it to Gene Roddenberry. Cool, cool. Now I remember actually the Mac Plus was the machine that appeared in Star Trek Four, the Voyage yeah. Home, which yes. was the the uh, film where they went back in time to San right. Francisco to save the whales. Save, save the whales. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, Mr. Scott is looking for some uh, free pieces of plexiglass to build a whale tank. Um, yeah, in the, in the Klingon warbird. Yeah, that's right, and and basically he uh, he acquires these by giving. Um, Giving uh, this this engineer the secret to transparent aluminium, yeah. Uh, by <laughs> but, but, by tapping by tapping the formula into a Mac Plus, um, yes. And he pick he, he picks up the mouse and tries to talk into it because of course all the computers in Star in Trek Star Trek time, yeah. Interface, yeah. Yeah. So he stay, he's sitting in front of it and he just says computer. Yeah. And then nothing happens for a second, and he's like, "Hello, computer." <laughs> and then uh, I can't remember the actor's name that was the engineer, but he kind of he picks up the mouse and hands it to him. He says, yeah. "Oh, thank you very much." And then he holds the like, mouse oh, up to his mouth. "Hello, computer." <laughs> That's right. He says, "No, use the keyboard." Yeah, and and James Doohan <laughs> yeah, looks at the keyboard, and says, "A keyboard." How quaint! And just gives him that like condescending <laughs> little look. And and the weird thing was, he never touches the mouse. Okay. Yeah. He's just tapping into into the the keyboard, and all of these complex formulas suddenly start flashing across the Mac Plus screen. And anyone who knew anything about Macs or really computers in general just kind of saw that and and would cringe a little bit, going, "Okay, that's not happening." You know, most, just, most people who know anything about computers cringe when they see them portrayed in movies, though. But at, at yeah. least at least they used a a uh, bit of product placement for the Mac rather than some generic. Uh, machine or or yeah. some or some faked interface, um, which is 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 how it's just standard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, Apple stock in 1986 opened at, at 22. Is this 22 cents or is 22 dollars? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was 22 cents right around 1998. Uh, no, it was 22 dollars a share, and it it closed at almost double that by the end of the year. So fairly strong performance. Um, Apple stock at the moment is trading what one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy dollars a share. No, it's it's. Uh, I believe it closed close to two hundred dollars wow, a share. Okay, it uh, was up to around I think two ten earlier earlier in the year, but it dropped a little bit. You know when things started to tank again. Yeah. So if if you had had your shares back from those early days and still held on to them, um, you'd be you'd be quite quite well in the money now if you haven't cashed oh, yeah. out along the way. Um, so well, the time the time to really buy it would have been just before the iMac was, was released, when it was about twelve dollars a share, because in that time frame it split twice, 
and yeah. now it's at over two hundred dollars a share. So if you bought say a thousand shares at twelve at uh, twelve bucks, well, you'd now have what four thousand shares at over two hundred bucks. Absolutely, and you'd be quite pleased with that. I can't, I, would, I can't help feeling that a split is is on the way, because I'm sure that uh, with the release of of whatever's coming next year in terms of iPhone and tablet and that sort of thing, the stock's going to go shoot up way above two hundred. Uh, and I, I can't imagine they're going to want it to go too far before they split it again. Well, does it? I mean, at this point, does it really matter? You know, they they don't pay dividends on the stock. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know, but it's it's kind of um, the the. Once the stock becomes too valuable per unit, then it kind of can disincentivize people to buy it. You know, not everyone is a big is a big investor with a large pot of money to put in. They, uh, you know, I think they're a company who who appreciates having the smaller investor, and the smaller investor often doesn't want to get in the the hole for, you know, a hundred shares at at two hundred fifty dollars a pot, do they? Well, that could be. Yeah, we'll but see. Th- anyway, you also have to remember that usually when you do a split, the you know. Beyond the, the 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 drop in price based on the split, you also end up with a drop in price per share. Yes, yeah, but but that that would that may be maybe a position they want to take. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows the uh, the vagaries of the stock market nowadays in right. these turbulent times? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you have to remember that at, that during the, the the two previous splits, that Apple was still looking at like a two percent market share, was still trying to claw its way back up into really relevancy. And one of the ways that you create excitement about a platform is, you know, well, look how look how much our stock is selling for, or or look how many shares we can, you know, get at this price, or 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 whatever. So, you know, I'm 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 not a big business guy, but but basically, by keeping the the price of the stock low, it was still creating a lot of interest in the company. Well, they're now at the point where do they do they really care? Right, if see. if if there's that much interest in in the company because you know Steve Jobs blows his nose and then there's a major press release <laughs> certainly certainly that is true yeah absolutely well we'll we'll see It'd be interesting to see how the how the year ahead goes but um, this has been very interesting and and I think we're going to do this on a fairly regular basis as we go back and look at Apple in a particular year and a particular product release and. Uh, yeah, Certainly. and not not only hardware but software as well. Absolutely. So uh, we'll return to this topic um, at a future time. But if yep. any of the listeners want, is there anything particularly you'd like us to to talk about and look into? Then uh, then please drop us a mail and uh, let us know. You can uh, get to me, David Cohen at mymac dot com, or David B Cohen on Twitter. How about you, yep. Guy? Um, I'm Guy at mymac dot com and Mac Parrot on Twitter. Okay. Well, I'd just like to wish all our listeners a, a very Merry Christmas. Uh, this, this podcast should, should hit over the, the Christmas break, and, uh, and we'll speak to you just before New Year's. Thanks very much, Guy. Oh, thank you, Dave. And thanks for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to feedback at MyMac.com. Be sure to review the show up in iTunes. And check out the other podcasts that MyMac.com produces, including Sam's Cool Picks, My Phototech, Geekiest Show Ever, and of course, the one you just listened to, MyMac.com. <laughs>